Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. We are in a series called More Than Enough. More Than Enough. What we believe is that uh, God is more than enough. For every season of your life, for every moment, for every struggle, he's more than enough. And then he makes you more than enough. When you stay connected to him, he makes you more than enough. You've got more than enough emotion. You've got more than enough time. You've got more than enough finance. You've got more than enough of all that you need to do all that you're called to do. And the scripture we're looking at to do that is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. This is our key scripture for the whole series. It says, and, it, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Okay. So I'm going to have the, these guys put this on the screen as often as possible. I want this scripture in your soul for the final week. So if you, they keep coming back to it, you're like, the tech guys are getting confused. No, I told them I want the scripture up there as often as possible. I want this in your soul. Um, and in this scripture, I believe it's true about everything. I believe it's true that God will help you have all that you need in every area, your emotions, your time. But uh, the scripture is specifically talking about one thing. Okay, so the context of this verse that I haven't hit on yet in the series is the context that he is specifically talking about money. He's talking about finances when he says you'll have more than, you, more than enough. When you will abound in every good work, he's talking financially. And my prayer today is that uh, you see that and feel that and believe that it's true. That God is saying you can have more than enough. You can abound financially to do the good work that God has called you to do. Now, what I do know is that as soon as I said something about money, half of you tightened up. You're just like, oh, oh we're doing that today? I brought a visitor to church on money day? Like, I don't, I don't know about this. Uh, and what my prayer is, is that as your pastor, as a visitor, wherever you're at in this, in this moment, you've been here for years or it's your first time here, my prayer is that you don't get lost in the finances and miss the heart of God. The heart of God is what I pray that I can convey to you today. And what God wants is your heart, not your money. It just so happens though, unfortunately, our money is frequently connected to our heart. And so I could try to avoid talking about money because I'd actually prefer it that way. Um, but scripture talks about it over and over again. Money is the roots of all kinds of evil. It talks about how you can't serve two masters. You either serve God or you serve money. You can't serve both. Scripture talks very in a lot of depth about money. And so we, to, to say true to scripture, we have to talk about money. But if you have a trauma response, maybe, uh, maybe you come from a background that um, taught something that used to be called prosperity gospel. Um, this idea that, that we're supposed to have a bunch of money and maybe it created all kinds of grossness in your life and you have some trauma associated with that. I hope that we can get through that, that we can process through the heart of God well enough that we understand what he really wants for us, what he's really looking to see happen in our lives, that he really wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers, that both things, our soul and our finances and our health can all prosper well together. And if someone's putting overemphasis on that for you and made you think that your faith is tied to how much money you have, that's not accurate in scripture. If somebody has tried to guilt you and always brought, presented to you needs and, and tried to play on your emotions, I'm sorry for that. And I'll try not to do that uh, today, but I do still need you to hear the heart of your father. I need you to hear that he does want you to be blessed financially. I need you to hear that he wants good things for you, right? And, and 
scripture tells us that like he's like a good father. Maybe you had a bad, bad dad and you're not like, oh, I don't know about this father reference. My dad wasn't good. No, no. He's like a good father and he's even better than a good father. Here's what it says. Here's Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 7 verses 9 through 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give you a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, my heavenly father wants you to be blessed financially. Like he's looking for an opportunity to see good gifts for you, for you to have more than enough for when the opportunity arises, you can bless some people. You can be the person that shows up and shows God and somebody because you had more than enough. It's really hard to have more than enough when you're paycheck to paycheck. It's really hard to bless somebody financially when you can barely survive on your own. That's not what God wants for us. I believe he wants more, just like I want for my kids. Right, I've got two kids, Jack and Joni. I desperately want them to be blessed. I desperately want them to have more than enough in their life to live out the call of God that they have. I want them to be passionate followers of him. But there are keys to that. Just like with our Heavenly Father that, and what he wants us to abound. Just like with my kids, like certain aspects of my kids, I can bless because I know they can handle it, right? Certain ages as they grow into it, I know they can handle it. There are certain things that they're not ready for. My kids are four and seven. They're not ready for me to bless them with a car. It's just not. It would be foolish of me to hand them a car. It would be actually probably call, call DHS on me for that one, right? It's, it, there are things that, and there are keys and places that you get to to be prepared for what God actually wants for you. It doesn't take away that he wants it for you because he's always wanted you to abound and have more than enough. But if you're not ready for it, if you don't understand how to get to it and how to be ready for it, then you'll miss out on what God wants for you, okay? And so in this context, um, the original context, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's writing them to tell them, I'm sending ministers to you. And I'm asking you to give towards the ministry outside of your local church, right? They're, they're already giving to the church at Corinth, but he's sending basically missionaries in that are helping launch other churches. He's saying, I want you to be a blessing. And, and if you're a blessing, then you're going to abound in, in every good work. When you financially bless, there's like conditions to this scripture and what he's saying. And, he, and I think he's setting up keys on how to unlock the abounding that God wants for you. I think, he, I think Paul is trying to tell them, here's a couple of keys in the verses prior as I'm sending you these ministers, as I'm telling you what it looks like to financially be blessed, and I'm asking for you to decide and prayerfully consider giving to what God has called us to do, here are some keys so that this, true, this scripture can be true for you. The and God portion is now true for you because you were called to abound, and here's how you do it. That first starts in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, right? Two verses before the verse, our key verse, our main verse, uh, two verses before says this, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, this one, uh, this first key is generosity. If you want to abound in every good work, if you want to abound financially and be available for God to use you, you have got to decide that the seed that God puts, puts in your hand can be sown. That God can, that you can be generous because God has more than enough. You've got to decide that he is more than enough. You really want to abound. You have got to learn to trust your heavenly father that he will put back in your hands the seed that you sow, right? The seed that you sow, as, as this is referencing, if you hold it in your hands, you might get to eat some of the seed. You might get a little bit of the seed, but if you hold on to it too tightly, it will spoil in your hands. But if you decide, man, my God's good. I ain't got to hold on to it like that. I don't got to be that tight. I don't have to hold on with dear life. Like if I just get rid of this, I'm not going to have enough. If I can learn to trust my heavenly father, I can open up these hands and go, you know what? My God's good. 
I can sow seeds generously. I can give. I can look for opportunities to give. I can bless some people around me because my God is always a God who helps the the harvest to reap generously. He'll add back into my hands what he's looking for. He's looking for his kids who he can get stuff to so he can get stuff through. He's like, like with my kids, the more that, that one of my kids decides to be generous with what I give them and they want to share with their siblings or they want to share with their friends at school, the more that they want to do that, the more that I want to be able to give to them. The more that they have a generous heart, the more that I'm like, cool, I can trust you financially or with candy or with the thing that you want, with the toy that you want. You don't just hold it in your room. Don't let anybody else play on the toy. No, no, I can trust you because you're going to do good things with it and you're going to share the toy. You're going to share the candy. You're going to share the money with somebody else. That's the heart of our father. I want to get stuff in your hands so that you, I can go through you and you can bless other people with it. Now, there's one thing to unlock that. Generosity is a tough one. Generosity can be difficult, especially, I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm there with you on generosity being t- tough. Okay, so if I'm honest about my own struggle, if I'm honest about what side I might lean on, I might lean on uh, what's called like a scarcity mindset. If that's new to you, it just means I'm a tightwad. Like, I don't want to spend no money. I don't want to spend nothing. Like, I drove uh, my, my 2003 truck for 18, 19 years. And the only reason I might get rid of it is because I got inherited in a truck. So, it's like, I was going to keep driving it until it died on me. Like, literally died on me driving down the road. Tightwad. Like, not, uh, that, that may be too much, right? There, there's a scarcity mindset where I'm not trusting God. There's a, there's a mindset that's not trusting God where I got to go, you know what? Maybe it's, maybe I can believe that God is abundant. Maybe I can trust God enough to be generous and really believe that he has enough for me and more than enough for me. So I'm going to hold on to it like that. And one of the things that does that, the very first step, like basic, this is base level stuff that I don't, that that we don't like to hear, that we don't want to start with because money's tied to our hearts and it's hard to let God have it all, is tithing. The first, the first stage of what God has called us to do to be generous is tithing. And even in tithing, uh, scripture tells us that we can test God in our tithing, that we can test God. And what the tithe is, is it's simply 10% of your income given back to God through the local church. That's what tithing is. You decide everything that I receive in as income, 10% of it immediately. First fruits, as the Old Testament describes it, first fruits, the first 10% goes back to God through the local church. And that can be insanely difficult. Like it can be insanely difficult to just take that first basic step to trust God in the tithe, but it is a first step. It is a step where you decide, you know what, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that if you say I can, this is going to work, then it's going to work. It, here's the thing. If I can't trust God with 10%, why would I trust God with my soul? If I can't trust God with my money, that he's not going to be faithful and true with what he says about my money, why am I trusting with everything else, right? If he's not true in that area, if he's not true financially, if he's not true with what we do with our 10% of our income back to God through the local church, if he's not true with that, we, we could save a lot of time in our week, right? We don't need small groups. We don't really need church services. Let's just go do something else. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? Like, let's just, let's not waste our time. However, if he is true, if somehow, some way, you're struggling and you're living off 100%, you're not giving back to God and you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're like, I pay paycheck to paycheck. And then you test God and all of a sudden God's, God does more with the 90% than I was able to do with the 100%. Oh, maybe he's worth trusting. Maybe that's the beginning stages of what God can show me all that he can do. And Jesus says something sim- similar to it being beginning stages, the tithe, the beginning stage. Let's check it out. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. 
He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You should have done both. You neglected the big stuff when you should have done the small stuff. Jesus is saying the beginning stages, some of the early stuff, some of the base level following Jesus is trusting him with 10%. Let me be clear, as your pastor, or if I'm your pastor right now, if you're just a visitor, let me be clear, we are not in debt. I'm not here to increase your tithe because the church needs something. The church has no needs. At some point, we'll get out of a lease and we'll build a building. That's the, that's the next big step for us. Everything else is covered. We're not in debt. We're not struggling. We're not looking to, to, to draw you in some more money. Well, I am looking as your pastor, as somebody who cares about you, wants to see you thrive. I want you to have all that God has called you to have. And whether we like it or not, this is the step he's asked for. This is the step scripture is saying, trust me in this and see if I won't pour you out a blessing you can't contain. Trust me with the tithe and find out if I won't do it. We, we believe it so much. We believe in the tithe so much. We want to make it as easy as possible to take your first step. That's why we have the three-month tithe challenge. We will put our money where our mouth is. We've got the three-month tithe challenge and the seat back in front of you. All it says, if you'll try it for 90 days. And you're like, I don't know, Jared, this is scary. I get it. I get that it's scary. You try it for 90 days, it's risk-free. If after 90 days you say, you know what, it didn't work. God didn't show up, it didn't work. We will write you a check for the full 90 days back. A risk-free trial to test God to find out if he's true. If he's not true, we don't have to waste our time. If he is true, you'll find out you can trust him with your money, you can trust him with your soul, and you can trust him with more money and more money. And he'll keep adding and he'll keep adding and you will abound in ways you never thought. You're going to tithe and then you're going to have a compassion kit. You're going to tithe and then you're going to be at Fostering Hope or Gospel Rescue Mission. You're going to be at local missions. You're going to look for opportunities to be a blessing because you find out my God is a generous God who teaches me how to be generous. And then he keeps adding and he keeps adding and he keeps adding. And he will challenge you to see that he's good and he's true. And for me, I've seen what God can do in the tithe through people that, that, that have led me, right? Uh, my grandparents were um, pastors and they grew up in right after the depression, like right after the Great Depression. So they, they grew up poor, poor, poor. Like my, my grandmother literally had a dirt floor and really no, no uh, like a wallpaper. They used uh, old newspapers as wallpaper. That's how poor they were. Um, and my grandfather grew up in Salisaw, both dirt poor, like hadn't had nothing to their name, no money. They grew up in ministry or they grew up to, to be called to ministry and then knew that God would call them to tithe. Well, how do you tithe when you're poor? I don't know. 10% of nothing is still nothing, but 10% of $10 is a dollar. Let's start with a dollar, right? I got $10. I got a little bit. I'll tithe a little bit. So they start tithing. They're pastoring, trying to follow God, trying to trust God. And there's one story of, um, my, my uncle who's eight years old and my dad was real small and they were struggling just to even feed, feed him. And uh, all of a sudden, a, an alcoholic man down the road had chicken. Chicken shows up underneath my grandparents' house and lays an egg. My grandparents are thinking, well, that's their chicken, their egg. Let's go give it back to this man. Man doesn't have any interest in ministry, has no interest in my grandparents' call. He says, if the chicken laid the egg on your property, it's your egg. All of a sudden, my uncle is getting fed every single day off of that egg, off of that chicken, because God showed up. My favorite story that showed up for my grandparents is my grandmother, they'd been tithing, they'd been faithful, they'd been believing God's going to show up. Like, God, oh, you got to show up, you got to show up. And their cupboards are bare, and it's dinner time. Now, when I say cupboards are bare, I mean there's things I don't want to eat. Okay, like I'm not trying to have ramen tonight. I don't want to cook a corn dog. I'm not trying to eat my kids' dinosaur chicken nuggets tonight. All right, I'm going to let, that, let Jack have that. 
Um, but when my grandmother said it's bare, we're talking about nothing in the cupboard. There's nothing to fix anything. And she believes God so much that she starts to set the plates to the table. How silly do you have to be to start setting plates? You ain't got no food to feed them. You're just getting their hopes up. Start setting, believing. Before she's done with the last plate, the doorbell rings. They go to the door. It's a man she's never seen, never saw since. Felt God calling him to bring some groceries by this house. Full of groceries. She cooked dinner because God is a faithful God who will show up and you will find out, oh, I can trust him. I can trust him. I can trust that he's good. And I've sat down with so many people and seen how God has blessed him and used it. The promotion came when they didn't think like, I've been praying for a job, praying for a job. And all of a sudden I got to stretch my faith and try to tithe in this season when I'm struggling. And then God shows up and pours them out a blessing. They get the promotion. I've seen people have $18,000 more that don't make sense in their income that just came from nowhere. Like I'm going over their budget with them and we're looking at the numbers. I'm like, you should be in crazy debt. And for some reason you lost 18 thousand dollars in income and you are doing good that don't make no sense it doesn't make any sense and I've seen God show up and bless people in ways that'll shock you and again not about the money the the goal is for your heart to trust God the goal is for your heart like the 10% reminds me that he has it all right if we're talking about New Testament right we got a lot of conversations about tithing like I don't know if tithing is a New Testament principle I'm cool with that tithing is not a New Testament principle the New Testament principle then is give it all okay 10% 10% is the discount, all right? So if you're wondering, like, okay, well, let's go back to the tithe. Let's go back to 10%. Uh, but the 10% really does, from a New Testament perspective, reminds me that, that he has it all. Like, this is a representation that when I showed up, you get first fruits because you're my king. The king gets the first fruits. You get first fruits because I follow you and you have everything that is mine, all right? So the first key to unlocking the abounding is generosity. The second key shows up in the next verse, and it's verse 7. It says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That first line, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Paul is writing to a group of people, challenging them to give. But then he tells them, you need to think about it. You need to pray about it. Don't, don't give out a guilt. Don't give out a compulsion. Don't, don't, don't reluctantly give in this moment. I need you to decide in your heart what portion, how much, and what you're called to give. I need you to decide. I need you to think about your gift. I'm sending a letter in advance so that you have plenty of time to think about how much God has called you to give. What is that called? To think through your money. Just look at your money and go, here's the tithe. Here's how much I'm going to give to this. Here's how much I'm going to spend on this. That is called stewardship. If you are intentional about what you're giving, you're deciding in your heart how generous you're called to be, where your finances are going, that is called stewardship. In this moment, he is challenging them. Don't, don't give flippantly. Don't give just because you had some tears on a Sunday. Don't just give because somebody made you feel guilty because there was a need at the church. Give because you've decided in your heart, you've thought about it, you've prayed about it, and you know that God is calling you to do this and then do it cheerfully. Do it because God called you to. Do it because he blessed you to do it. Do it because you know you've been a good steward of your finances. What I know about the second key to unlocking stewardship is is God is looking for a group of people that he can trust that are going to be generous and faithful. I, I, I don't just need a kid, right? If we're looking back at the Heavenly Father concept, I don't just need a kid 
who's really generous, but, but real flaky, right? With their money. You know what I'm talking about? Those kids who just, they'll give it all out, right? And they don't have nothing left for themselves, right? You know people in your life that will always buy you dinner when, when you're hanging out with them, but then don't have money for the rent check the next week. You ever been around those people? Like, I got you, bro. I got you, but you're going to be broke next week. And then you're going to need me. How about I just buy my own dinner? You good? Like what, learn how to budget, right? You know, people, maybe you've seen in your own life that, man, I've been, t- I've been tithing. I've been faithful. I've been really trying to give. I'm really generous all the time. I'm giving to all these nonprofits. I'm giving to all these things. And maybe the next key that you're missing, if you're faithful in those areas, is stewardship. Is deciding that all of this money is God's money. I, when I signed over this thing to say, Jesus, I follow you with my life, I signed over to give my whole life and my finances are included in that. And I said, this is your money. How are you calling me to spend it? And if we're honest, if we were to look at our own accounting skills, if we were hiring us to be God's accountant, we would fire us real quick. Someone would look immediately at that Amazon account and be like, we're fired. Yeah, we got fired real fast. We went in debt. We're, we're going in debt because we, are, we, we think we need, 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 need. And God is saying, no, no, I'm more than enough. The stuff that you have, if you'll be intentional, I'll give you everything. This scripture you are going to call to be abounding in every good work, it's, it's, there's not enough for everything else. God is never calling us to, to leverage our future so that we don't have a good future because we want something really fun and exciting today. He's calling us to be good stewards of our money and trust that he's enough and that trust that he can be enough. That debt is holding us back, tying us down to do the call of God and be the people God has called us to be because we're leveraging our future and have to pay for it in the future. And God is saying, I'd like to call you to something else. I'd like to move you to somewhere else. I'd like to put you in a new position, but you didn't, I wasn't trusting you with the one you had. You weren't faithful with the little, so how can I trust you with the much? God is saying, if you will be a good steward, if you will show up and be faithful and intentional in that verse, let's go back to verse seven again. It says, he loves a cheerful giver. The first time I read this this week, like I'd read it before, but the first time I was looking at it, it's like, does that even, who cares, right? Like he loves a cheerful giver. That's cool. He feels good feelings about me. Uh, that's good. I, I, like that doesn't really help. Except when I remembered that there's not an emotional response in scripture that's just tied to chemical responses like we do, right? We say we love something, we don't do anything about it. When God communicates emotion, it is tied to action. Every single time in scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, the, the key here that God loves a cheerful giver is it means it leads him to an action step. He cannot love without acting upon that love. That's just a, an emotional response. No, God's action step is that he loves a cheerful giver. He's looking for an opportunity to see the people who have decided I'm going to be generous and I'm going to be faithful. And God goes, that's my kid. That's my kid right there. I got you because you can be trusted. I can pour out blessings that you can't contain because you're just going to pour it out some more. You're not going to hold on to the seed until it dies. You're not going to smother it. You're going to trust me with it. You're going to be open-handed. You're going to be generous. And God says, I love that cheerful giver. Go back to eight. And God, and God. See, these two things are conditional on the and God moment. The and God, now God is. Now, after you've understood the, the second and first verses in front of this, now God and God can do this. Now you can abound in every good work. Maybe you're missing today the catalyst moments, the keys that God has called you to have in your life to unlock the abounding good work that God has called you to do. He has called you. The heart of the Father is looking for kids that he can trust. He doesn't love you less. Like if you're bad, if you're struggling with generosity, if it's not a value question. If you're struggling with stewardship, it's not a value question. I love my kids the same. But I can give one kid more than I can the other because they can be trusted with more. It's not a love question. It's not a care question. It's I'm able to do more for them because I can trust them with more. And that's the same for your heavenly father. He doesn't love you less. 
If you're not abounding in good work, he's not like, oh, your value is less to me. You're just missing an opportunity to grow in all that he's called you to do and be. And he's saying you are called to abound. You are called to have more than enough. You're called to be ready for the thing that he crosses your path with. You're like, that one's mine. I get to bless that person. Ooh, I get to give an extra tip to this person because I've been a faithful steward and I'm generous. Oh, I get to, I get to sponsor a kid. Now I get to sponsor two kids. Ooh, I get to help with fostering hope or gospel rescue. I get to do that because I'm glad I get to do it because I know God is more than enough. And I can be cheerful about it because I know God will bring it back to me. And he doesn't stop there, right? If, if we get this, we get the heart of our father. He's not, he's not just saying like, hey, cool, have a good life and bless some other people. Here's how he finishes those verses. Let's go to verse nine through 11. It says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now I know some of you are like, uh, we normally like one verse at a time. I've checked out on verse one. Let me, the general concept of these verses saying your, your faithfulness, your abounding in good work doesn't stop with you, but it goes into eternity. You trusting God and you growing into who God's called you to be. You taking the catalyst moments of tithing and generosity and stewardship. You leveraging that is you changing some eternities. Like you being God's hands and feet to somebody around you. After I told the message of the tent, someone came up to me and said, oh, I got a story for you, I got a story for you. Someone in the church that I was just friends with, I told them that I was having car trouble and all I asked for was a ride. Like, hey man, I, I, my, my car broke down, I got a ride. They let me use their car. They just gave me their car to use until my car got fixed. You know who can't do that? Somebody who can't afford a car. You can't abound in good work and love somebody that's in your community, love somebody you want to love if you don't have the car to let them use. If you're paycheck to paycheck and your car's always broke down, it's hard to bless somebody else with a car and help them use it. See, but when you decide, I'm going to be faithful and generous and I'm going to be a good steward because I've got more than enough, it will attach into eternity and God will use it to bless some people around you. So I wrestled with my own story. One, uh, I know it might sound weird for like the pastor to be like, hey, I'm blessed. Let me just tell you. Oh, good for you, pastor. That's so good. I didn't hear that. Uh, um, but, but two, I don't want to make it about me. It's not about me. But I do need you to understand that it works. I need you to hear the heart of God that it will work. If it, I, God is no respecter of persons. If it works for me, it'll work for you. Okay? So the first time I struggled, I was like, I need this tithing story. And I realized if I'm honest with myself, I never struggled to tithe. The reason I didn't struggle to tithe is because I'd seen it done and I'd seen it done well. And because this is saying it will result in a seed of righteousness. It will result in righteousness. I was handed down something that I didn't earn. Okay, I got to see it in my grandparents. So, so for me, it's not like, ooh, look at you, Jared, you did a great job. No, 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 I was given something I didn't deserve. It's just grace to be able to say, I didn't struggle to tithe because I saw it work for other people. And I saw the stories of how they, they tithe when they struggle, so surely I can tithe. And I'm not struggled because of that, because I've been faithful. And because God will show up for you just like he did for me. And you will do what my grandparents did, plant seeds of righteousness for your kids. And your kids will live different than you had to live. And their kids will live different if you'll keep planting the seeds God has called you to. So a few years ago, um, we were savers. Like I told you, I'm a tightwad. Scarcity is kind of a thing. Some of it has to do with control issues. I always want to be free. I don't want you to tie me down. So I want to have enough financial freedom to say, see you later. If I need to, if I'm at a job. Uh, same here at the church. If you fire me, I'm like, see you later. I'm good. I'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, y'all don't want to fire me. It's cool. Uh, so... 
uh, a few years ago, we were, uh, you know, we, we always were savers. Savers. My wife's a saver too. We matched well. Um, and uh, we were on staff at a church in Tulsa, on staff at Life Church. We helped launch the Moore Campus and Life Kids. Loved what we were doing, um, but we were saving. You know, what does God call us to do next? We want to be free for what God's called us to do next. So we're saving, saving. And all of a sudden, we're driving through Muskogee to, to like, visit family and hang out. And we feel like God's calling us back here. We're like, nah, time out. We're good, God. Nope, we're good. We like where we're at. Having a good time. We don't need all that. Love my campus team. Love uh, what Ashley was getting to do on stage. All the things that we got to do. I'm um, sure enough, long story short, we, we get back here. We were like, all right, God, open the door. God opens the door, have a conversation with the founding pastor. He's like, yeah, we just, it's time. Our, our family's been in ministry for a long time. We need a season of break. Okay, all right, God. So we sit down, have a conversation with the board, and through conversations, through really no, no bad intentions, the church just ended up in debt, right? The church took some faith steps, ended up in major debt. So I'm sitting there talking to the board, and uh, we're talking about debt, debt. Like, the, the church can't pay its lease kind of debt. Like, uh, we, we have to call the owner of the facility to say, hey, can you extend our lease out and let us pay you back or catch up? That's the kind of debt we're in. So we're talking to the board, and the board's like, hey, uh, why would you leave that job? For that's paying good, you got good benefits, all of those things, to come to a job that can't pay very well. And I was like, you, got, you can pay? Like, you got anything to pay me? She was like, mm, no, not really. I was like, okay, well, let's, let's have a real conversation about finances, right? Um, this is why y'all ended up in debt. So anyways, that's a joke. Uh, so, so, uh, so sure enough, we knew God was calling us. And because we believed that we were good stewards of what God had called us to do, we could come. We could be a part of the church. We could, we could come. For six months, we didn't take any pay because the church couldn't afford it. For another year and a half after that, so two or four years, we got a housing allowance. That's as much as the church could afford. We got out of debt. We started being able to pay just a housing allowance to survive. Somehow, someway, like we, didn't, we never made big bank throughout those years. That's seven years ago. We never make big bank. We're never, like, never making six figures or anything like that. When we first got here, we were able to spend cash uh, to be able to buy a trailer. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we live in the high life. You know what I'm saying? Abound in every good work. That's what I'm talking about. So we bought a trailer, moved it on family land. And then we got to upgrade to that double wide. You know what I'm saying? Bougie stuff. We got that double wide trailer. Uh, y'all don't know my life, all right? That's bougie for me. Uh, so we got to upgrade. Two years ago, uh, after going, spending our savings to be able to come take a job and mow lawns while I was taking a job to pastor a church, to be bivocational, to bar- barely getting a housing allowance. Two years ago, we were able to pay off our house. Zero debt, pay off our house. Don't make no sense. Math doesn't add up. None of it ma- adds up. Cars went longer than they were supposed to. Food lasted longer than they were supposed to. All of it worked better than it was supposed to. And what I'm here to tell you is that's not about me. That, that, that's not about, that, that is, that is a, a, a plant of righteousness that somebody instilled in me. And I saw if my grandparents can trust God in that way, in that season, and can be faithful, then so can I. And if, if we can do it, then you can do it. Your family can be different. Your heritage, who you are called to be and what your family is called to do can be different and it's going to change somebody's eternity. So if you think that I'm here to talk to you just about money, you're missing the heart of my father. But because my grandparents had instilled in us stewardship and generosity, because my grandparents had instilled something I couldn't get away from and we started to be faithful and we're able to take a job without pay and come to do what God has called us to do, we're here and being able to do what God has called us to do. So, Scripture tells us to not store up our treasures on earth, but store it up in heaven. So the real thing that God is eventually calling you to do is to do what those 9 through 11 verses said. Like, store it up. Like, it's, it's going to be righteousness for, for eternity. It's going to last forever. So, so when I got in town, which church started growing about six months in, a, a student of mine who is now in ministry called me and said, hey, 
the ministry spot I'm at is not working. I just want a place to call home. I just want to love people. I just want to be a part. This is a kid who calls me a spiritual father. Bro, I got you. There's a spot. His family is different because he was in a healthy context. And then as a spiritual father, I got to be a spiritual grandfather because then I got to see him baptize his daughter. That, that is, is the reason that it's worth doing whatever it takes to be a good steward of generosity because of the people you take with you to eternity because you were faithful to do what God was called you to do and you weren't bound into debt you weren't bound into holding on to too tightly what God had given you but you are a faithful generous steward of what God has given you and he is going to change eternities we had students that I used to pastor got to be on stage and use their gift and have a healthy family dynamic now because of this church because of what God is doing in this place in this moment a friend of mine I can call and say hey ministry. Let's do this thing. He's like, I'm not sure if I'm called, if I'm ready. Maybe I've counted myself out. Maybe I'm not called to ministry. Get to see him thrive. And two of his older kids get baptized. Over and over again, we sit down and have conversations with people that are saying, I just, I couldn't find a home church. I was struggling. I was trying to find God. My family didn't want to go to church. I was dragging them to places. And for some reason we found home. God used this place to change my family's life, to change my family's eternity. God brought healing in a place. So if you think this is just about money, no, no, this is about laying up your treasures in heaven and deciding that you are going to make an eternal impact. Last baptism, I got to see my daughter get baptized. My daughter got baptized. I've seen your kids commit to following Jesus. I've seen your kids change because of what God was able to do through us, through my grandparents financially to bless us and to show us how to do what God has called us to do so that we could be available for God to bless. Since I've been here, 2015, between in this, this, this spot on Sunday and on Wednesday nights through our student ministry switch, we've seen 1,376 people raise their hand, commit their life to Christ. My favorite number is in this spot, this very location. We have seen 295 people since 2015 decide to go public with their faith and get baptized. 295. And if you think it's about money, you're missing the whole point. He is testing your heart. He's checking your heart, seeing if you're ready, seeing if you'll be faithful and you will change eternities. You think this is about me? You think I did that? Absolutely not. My capacity was 15 students as a youth pastor. That's the best I could do. But God can do something different when you're available and you follow one step at a time. There was faithful givers that showed up. Every single one of you who've decided to be faithful to the church are a part of that 295. Every single one of you that are faithful in Life Kids and host team and Switch are a part of that 295. This is about us being a church that it can abound in every good work because we're not tied down into debt. We're not tied down holding too tight to things that are in our hands. We are generous and we are faithful and we are going to change a community and keep changing every community God opens the door for because we have everything we need to do everything God has called us to do. And I want to see your family different because you decided to go, God, I trust you. Money's not going to hold me back. Money's not going to tie my heart down. Money's not going to hold me back. The stuff of today that's supposed to keep me satisfied, the debt that gets me there is not going to hold me back. I'm going to trust you with my money because I want to change eternities of all the people that I'm called to love and reach. I want to be free to do that. I want to be free to bless somebody. I want to be free to love somebody. You and your family are going to be different, just like mine is. Just like mine was because of my grandparents. Your family is going to be different because you decide to have a healthy, godly relationship with money. You go, you know what? I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to find out if he's true. So today, you may have one of three steps. Today, maybe you've never tried tithing. We got the three-month tithe challenge. Give it a shot. Find out. We'll write you the check back. Maybe your second step, you've been tithing, but you've been generous. You're like, you're doing bare minimum stuff. You're like, I'll give tithe because I know scripture tells me to, but I ain't giving above and beyond that. I work hard for my money. No, no, no. Let's start singing the song. I'm, I'm, no, no, no. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? God, you, you got this. I can be generous. I can go above and beyond. And maybe for some of you, it's time to be a good steward. Now, in January, we're gonna, we'll have a life group that connects to stewardship and finances, but you can find it on your own right now. You can start today. You know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out how to be a good financial accountant of God's money in my life so that my family, my kids, their kids, the people in this community can be different because I'm like this. All right, God, what you want to do next? Who can I tip more? Who can I bless? I'm going to give somebody a car. I want to give somebody a house. God, let me do something cool with this money. Let me do something cool. Just bless me enough to be able to God saying, once you're faithful in the little, I'll trust you with the much. I'll trust you with the house, the car. I'll trust you with all the stuff that you want to give away because you're my kid who I can trust. And that's what you're going to find out, that eternities are different because of today, because of this moment, because you chose to trust God. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.